I've just thrown myself into surrounding myself and being in the right rooms and being exposed to these other people that are way ahead of me, but also new investors that are starting out that now I'm finding myself like sharing a lot of what I've learned, what I've accumulated, especially in the, in the last few years, because I enjoy passing a lot of that knowledge on. Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, episode 29, with your hosts, Matt and Kellen. In the On Fire Podcast, we discuss financial independence, real estate investing, frugality, minimalism, and retiring early. I need to talk to you guys about ratings and reviews. If you didn't know, that's what this podcast lives off of. It. So if you don't feed it enough ratings and reviews, it goes into hibernation. Just letting you guys know. <laughs> so in today's episode, our guest is Michael Watch. Michael is one of the people I really enjoy following. He's always sharing helpful information about investing, renovating, and mindset, and he always keeps it down to earth. Yeah, this podcast was a lot of fun to shoot and actually really brought me down memory lane. I remember the first time bumping into Michael at a networking event and really just connecting with him, and he's grown so much over the last two years. But enough chatting, let's just dive into the interview. This episode is sponsored by the Findlay Mortgage Team. The Findlay Team was born out of the idea that through exceptional service and expert advice, they can create a world of more accessible capital for their clients. As real estate capital advisors, their mission is to assist investors in strategically scaling their portfolios. They understand the struggle that investors face and how difficult it can be to scale once the banks say no. Their experts find alternative solutions by leveraging institutional and private capital stacks, strong networks, and competitive products, allowing them to offer an industry-leading service that is unparalleled in the Canadian real estate market. All right, we're going to dive into the interview. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up. The audio is not up to our usual standard. We're getting used to things still with remote interviews with COVID, but Michael has a lot of really great things to share. You definitely don't want to miss this episode. And otherwise, tune into the next episode. We'll be back to quality audio going forward. Thanks. Hey, guys. So Michael Watt here is a husband, father, accountant, and auditor, and real estate investor. Michael is primarily focused on the Burr method, and he's acquired five properties, 10 units, while working a full-time job. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. We'll dive into this later, but do you mind just giving us a brief summary of what the last year has looked like for you during your FIRE journey? Yeah, sure. So we've had a lot going on in the in the last year, really just trying to acquire additional properties and units to get us closer to at least one of us between me and my wife being able to be in a position where we could leave our full-time jobs. So We've done um, within the Niagara region, a couple of conversions where we bought single family homes and, and added units to kind of maximize the, the use of those properties, done burrs on them, refinanced. And it, we're kind of continuing using those funds to hopefully purchase a couple of more properties in the, in the upcoming year and just put ourselves into as best of a position as possible going forward in our, in our portfolio. That's great. I know a lot of people right now are focused on adding secondary dwellings, especially in certain markets where you just can't buy triplexes, duplexes for great prices anymore. So people are buying single family, adding a unit. It's one of the best ways to improve, you know, bring the property to its highest and best use. But it requires a lot of work, right? It's uh, It requires quite a bit of expertise to be able to do that kind of thing. How has that process been for you? I feel like it's a constant learning curve. We did our first one 
about a year ago and I, I was brand new to it. Like when we were talking about moving walls and 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 putting in new windows and, and adding an entrance from the outside, it was all like mind blowing for me because I had never done a big rental like that. Now we're we're just getting ready for a third and fourth one. So it's it's almost become second nature. And just like in anything, I, I truly rely on the on the like people around me, on my power team, on the contractor, on my BCIN who's been doing drawings for us on my real estate agent that's found some of these properties and that he's done many of them. So really like benefiting from having good people around me has made it easier, but it's, it's definitely like doing the first and the second one. It was really uncomfortable because our first few properties were turnkey single family homes. So moving to this birth strategy and to adding units and, and especially adding two units at once, taking some of these homes from one to three it's definitely become easier now, but it's not a it's not a beginner level strategy. I think uh, if if I tried that for my first property, it might have been a different story. Gotcha. Well, I look forward to diving a little bit deeper into the business model later on. But I'd love to really let's just start back at the roots. So it sounds like real estate investing is a big part of your fire journey. You know, how did you stumble upon the concept of both real estate investing as well as financial independence and retiring early? So this was never the plan, guys. We never wanted to be investors. We never thought about retiring early. We we purchased our first uh, turnkey rental property uh, 11 years ago. It was in Hamilton. That's where we still live. And our only intent with that purchase was like, if we can have tenants pay off that mortgage over 25 years or whatever it is, and we pay off our house mortgage over that time, when we retire from our full-time T4 jobs, we'll have two totally paid off properties. That was our only goal, right? And so we were very green. We didn't know what we were doing. We just kind of jumped into it, bought that first property. Then like six or seven years went by, we, we realized that if we refinanced that property and we had some more savings, we could buy another rental. So we ended up do, doing that. And then things have kind of snowballed from there as we've surrounded ourselves with other investors and this whole community that we're part of in, in various cities in Southern Ontario and um, getting insight into all the strategies that other investors are using has truly opened up our eyes into like, wow, we are not confined to this working 25, 30 years for a, a, a corporate job, both me and my wife, and then only being able to retire and hoping that you've accumulated enough savings to have a comfortable retirement, to maybe do some traveling. Like we've had a, a total mindset shift, especially in the last year or two when we've truly like taken the, the real estate investing side to another level. Awesome. What were some of like when you were first starting out there, you know, early days and maybe even some of the more recent, because it seems like you've ramped things up quite a bit recently in the last year or so. What were some of the early resources that you turned to to learn more about real estate and, uh, you know, gain some confidence in the space? The first like seven, eight, nine years, I, I was a lone wolf. I, I, I had no idea that this whole community existed. I didn't know that you guys were out in London, that there's all of these investors in Hamilton and in Brantford, that the Niagara region has everything that it has going for itself. I just thought like I'm the only one in, in my family and my wife's family that owns a rental property. Like this is kind of how you do things. You kind of stumble along. You do the best job of finding a good tenant. You, you fix up all the things at the house on your own. 
And then it was about two years ago when we started working with Rockstar Real Estate. They're, they're a brokerage out of Oakville where they use a model where it, the agent that you're matched up to is kind of like a coach as well. And that's when he matched me up with, uh, with a mortgage broker who actually told me, uh, like, you are a real estate investor. That's the first time I had heard that. Somebody actually, uh, like, telling me that that's how I should talk about myself, right? So since then, I've really just dove into, like, uh, Facebook groups. There's a lot of really good ones, whether you're looking for apartment buildings or or you're having issues with tenants or you just want to interact with other investors. I've recently hired a coach that I'm working with to kind of ramp up a couple of things in this business now, but I've just thrown myself into surrounding myself and, and, and being in the right rooms and being exposed to these other people that are way ahead of me, but also new investors that are starting out that now I'm finding myself like sharing a lot of what I've learned, what I've accumulated, especially in the, in the last few years, because I enjoy passing a lot of that knowledge on that's awesome and like and you touched on something pretty important like not only are you learning from people but you're also surrounding yourself with people doing similar things and you're teaching people and kind of having that trifecta you know i think that really gives you a springboard toward you know if you're able to teach things to people it means you understand them thoroughly and if you're you know if you're willing to learn from people and be coachable then it also means that you know your ego isn't uh, taking hold to the point where you're not ready to learn from other people. You think you're the shit and there's no one else to learn from. Like it's super important to say, look, these people know more about this thing than I do. So I want to sit down and learn from them. And these other people want to learn from me. And there's other people doing stuff similar to me. I want to hang out with them and make this a bit of a new normal because pretty quickly, you're not going to be uncomfortable saying I'm a real estate investor. It's kind of crazy to think early on that you were scared to say something like that, but I felt the same. I remember that when I first when I first reached financial independence through my real estate cash flow, I, I really hesitated to say anybody I'm financially independent. It felt like the most awkward phrase to say because it felt like, I don't know, it just it was hard to identify by that. But like the more you surround yourself with these people, the more it becomes a little bit normal, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent. It took a while because we didn't have anybody around us that was really doing what we were doing. But now I feel like I'm just living every single day in this new world almost. I'm kind of stuck between two worlds because I have the corporate job and I have my colleagues that are truly waiting like 25, 20 more years for that pension for the retirement date to hit while I'm still hovering because I need some help for some more mortgages and some more refis before I leave that job in the future. But I have this like other world that I'm part of now, which is people like you guys and everybody that we interact with every day from the brokers to the to the agents, to the investors, to the inspectors, everybody, all the contractors. So it's really a cool position to be in because I'm able to kind of see both sides of that. And so I'd love to really just kind of explore your journey as a real estate investor as it's evolved. And one thing I've really started to think about in regards to real estate investing is viewing it through the lens of like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, where we end up having to step outside of like our known world, our known reality and step past that threshold into the unknown. So how long did it take you to buy that first property? And I'm just curious, like I've got an accounting background, you're an accountant, accountant to accountant. How many spreadsheets did you make before you (laughs) finally pulled the trigger and bought a property? 
Oh my god, I am I am a typical bean counter. I am so conservative and safe and so risk averse, Matt. I think me and you could just chat about like GLs and, and spreadsheets and like debits and credits all day long. But I, I really apply that to every decision that I make, whether it's in life or family or in real estate. So that the first one was actually it was more of my wife. She had owned um two like small townhouses before we met in Hamilton. She was actually renting them uh, out by the room at that time. And this was like 15 years ago. So I feel like she was ahead of her time. But when we met, she had sold off both of those. So when we decided to buy our first one, it was kind of like, okay, why don't we try this out? Since then, as we've progressed, I've really amped up that analytical side. And I, I kind of want to be like a sniper where when I make a decision to buy a property that I'm going to hold like for the long term, I, I haven't done any flips. I might throw in flips in the future, but, but right now I'm a long-term buy and hold investor. So I want to buy right. I don't want to be like going back on the decision and having to sell a property a year later because I bought in the wrong part of town or in the wrong city or a property that just doesn't align with my goals, right? If I'm looking for cash flow, but I buy something that breaks even every month, it doesn't like help me to that re- retirement. So it's truly like, I, I, I think the spreadsheets and the analytics are always going to stay with me. But now it's more so important as we're getting into bigger purchases, like our our rental budgets are bigger. We're starting slowly to look at some apartment buildings with a couple of partners that are interested in that. So having that that CA and the accounting and the internal audit background definitely helps as I'm looking at deals and just that dissecting a deal. And like Kellen said, being able to explain a really complex transaction with so many moving parts to somebody that could be a private lender or a joint venture partner that like, like you need to speak English to them. If, if I can't explain it in a couple of minutes to them, they're not going to give me money or they're not going to sign a JV agreement, right? And I, I feel like I interact the same way with other professionals that are trying to sell me services. If they can't explain their topic about life insurance or whatever it is quite, quite quickly, I'm probably not going to invest in that idea. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, myself coming from the computer science background, analytical as well. And I found myself, you know, in spreadsheets quite a bit, you know, bordering on the point of analysis paralysis. And it was a bit of a a challenge for me to get to, you know, to the point where I'm like, you know what, this looks good. I'm going to jump into it. And, you know, more and more these days, you know, I rely on rules of thumb, you know, 1% rule is a really great way to say yes or no quick, or at least say no quickly. And then, yes, it's worth diving into further. What are some of the things that you've like when you come across analysis paralysis, like what have you done to overcome that? You know, you're in your spreadsheets, you're diving into all the numbers. At some point, at what point do you go, okay, this looks like it could be a good deal for me? It's really being involved and seeing so many other investors in our group, in our community, in the network be successful with the exact same strategies that we're using. And and I've kind of become like a market expert in some of the cities that I invest in, in, in Hamilton, in St. Catharines, in Welland. So when you see the numbers on a property now, you have a pretty good idea that, okay, like I might be paying a couple of thousand more than I want for this property, or it might not fit the, the ideal mold of the last one that I bought, but it's still a really good buy. And and I, I typically, g- given my strategy and my goals, I have a long-term vision. So over 5, 10, 20 years of me holding this property, if I 
pay five or ten thousand more for the purchase than I initially thought, or my spreadsheet told me I should pay, or the rentals go a little bit over because I end up putting a little bit nicer finishes. I know in the long run, based on the cash flow every month or the ROI over five, ten years, like that's not going to matter. So at the end of the day, you just got to trust your gut. I, I think whether it's a tenant or a property purchase or, or just a strategy, like even when I hired the mentor at the end of the day, like I didn't know how it was going to work out, but I just went with my gut. And I, I think the more decisions that I make, the more that my gut is is usually on the right track. And, and my wife's also awesome because she's not really involved in the business just yet, but she's a very logical and smart person. So when I run just the fact, just the high level buyer, if she gives me a yes or a yes sounds good, like I'm pretty sure that I'm on the right track. So it's nice having like a partner in crime that isn't deep into it, but can provide you like a outsider's opinion. Yeah, and just as a little side note to all our listeners, every person that ends up becoming a real estate investor at first has to slay that dragon of analysis paralysis. In my early 20s, I took a couple of years before I finally pulled the trigger. I remember property virgin Kellen and his analysis paralysis and missing a couple of deals. So it's certainly <laughs> we don't go through. But I'm curious now, Michael, you know, you've got a lot of things on the go. You're building this real estate portfolio. You've got a full-time job. If I remember correctly, you've got maybe a side hustle as well related to accounting, plus a young family. How are you balancing all that? And do you do the property management yourself? Have you outsourced that? Do you remotely manage? What does that all look like? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because th- there was a time probably like six months ago, nine months ago, where I, I was kind of going through periods where I felt overwhelmed a little bit. And, and so that's the time that I hired the coach and, and he, he's really been helpful in, in helping me kind of step back and to really decide on, on what I want to delegate. I think many investors, when they reach a certain point, they start saying the word delegate or to like hire somebody or to get help, but it's really hard to actually do it. Like many people talk about it, but I, I, I just had to do it. So what we've done is each of our rentals, we've used a general contractor, which has really helped. Like I'm paying a little bit more money, a little bit of a premium, but I'm not there like making sure that the materials arrive on time or that trade show up on the Monday or the Friday or that like drywall is done by a certain day. So that's really helped me. I'm just kind of checking in once a week. Most of my contractors are actually active on social media. So that helps me oversee them. And, and I'm okay being an hour away. I can just see how the basement unit's coming along on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, on the last c- conversion that we did, as soon as the, the rentals were done, we're, we're, we're now using a property manager for that one. So that's the first property on a three-unit property. And, and, and it's really nice to be done with a contractor. I get the keys. I, I make copies of the keys and I literally hand it over to a property manager. And, and that's also like a work in progress because I'm still feeling all that relationship with that. That person right to to make sure that that, that we're a good fit going forward because there's going to be more units kind of that we're going to be churning out in the future so i want to make sure that it's the right person and then otherwise on my personal front like i'm I'm very cognizant of like a, a kind of reassessing whether I want to keep on doing some of the tax returns that I complete on the side, all of the bookkeeping that I've always done for myself. So it's still not perfect. I feel like I'm working through that because as we want to bring on more properties and more properties with joint venture partners, because we do have some more kind of friends 
family, colleagues reaching out as we keep on sharing more of our journey. I know that I should be focusing on those higher value items than doing like my own bookkeeping, which is a twenty to thirty dollar an hour job. So it's it's a constant balancing act because we still want to live life on our terms. I want to have time with my family, with my friends, just to relax. It can be all real estate all the time, but I do want to keep on building this thing because I'm really enjoying it. I love that. Like you, you're starting to experience the fu money, right? You know, people are approaching you. Hey, do you, do you know my tax return? You're going. You know what? I don't. That's not really something that I think is valuable with my time right now. So you're starting to say a little bit more no. Like you're starting to say no a bit more. And like one of my favorite phrases from Warren Buffett is that the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything. And I've heard Tim Ferriss say a very similar quote, but it's just about saying no a lot more often, which allows you to kind of focus your efforts toward the higher return activities. And it's awesome to see that you know you're you're like you're really starting to your mindset's shifting in that regard. I think more people need to start thinking, look, what is my time worth? And I mean, it's great if you can put a dollar figure on it, but at least from a high level, you have you know like low income activities, medium and high income activities. Ideally, you're going to be focusing on the medium to high in, impact or income activities, and you know getting rid of some of those lower in, income ones. What are some of the lower income stuff that you're starting to do away with at this point? Well, actually, this week, I, I reached out to a couple of tax clients and I apologized to them, but I said, like, I'm just reassessing where I allocate my time. And unfortunately, I won't be able to serve you next year. So in a couple of months, I made sure that I did it way ahead of time. And I gave them a couple of good accountants that I know that I would use when I hand off all of my stuff that they could work with, right? So all of them were like really good, but but that was literally something I did earlier this week. I'm not doing any more of the repairs and the handyman stuff. Like I always enjoy that. I loved like going to do little adjustments when a tenant would call, mainly because we used to own in Hamilton. So it was just around the corner. Now being an hour away in the Niagara region, we were in Hamilton. It's not as easy. So I have like good people on the ground that I could text or call. And, and that's so much better use of my time. Like me, me just coordinating that. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of other things. Like I'm trying to ramp up my, uh, off market leads and the finding property straight from sellers. So I can't be doing all of that driving for dollars, all of the flyering. I need to probably delegate more of that to have people helping me on that front or replying to all the Kijiji and all the like online advertising. So like there, there is always things that me that, that you guys can pass off and delegate or even a brand new investor just to get into those good habits right from the beginning so that you never get to a point where you hit two, three, four properties and then you have to break bad habits that you got into. I think that's a really important lesson is making sure that you don't have those bad habits creep in. And I think for anyone that's maybe new to the idea of delegating or maybe outsourcing aspects of your life or your business, one of my pro tips in that regards is really just track everything you do in a week and then list it based upon the dollar value associated with it. And if it's impossible to outsource, then that's a sign that's very important. So I think that's great. Now, you're working towards building up a portfolio for a purpose, and that purpose is someday to be able to pull the trigger and leave the day job or have your wife leave the day job. How will you know when it's the right time to step across that threshold? 
Yeah. So every every investor, I feel like, has a different goal. Some look at number of doors. Some look at number of rental properties. Some look at cash flow. And this actually, I truly started thinking about this. Where I don't know if you remember, Matt. We had a coaching call probably like a year ago, a year and a half ago, back when you were like really cheap per hour. I can't remember. I can't believe that I paid you so little for two hours of your time. <laughs> but um, that's where you 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 asked me a similar question. You asked me like what my end goal is before. I feel like I can pull the trigger. And and I realized that I had never truly thought about that. Like somebody that had owned properties for almost a decade and, and we had multiple properties by then, but we were just kind of buying and holding and renting without really knowing what the end goal is. And and once I started to hone in on that, which for me was kind of like a I'd say five to six thousand dollars of passive, well, not not passive, but cash flow. From, from my properties per month. If I can get to that like 5,000 level, and that's actually a number that I hear often from many like younger investors that I talked to, but also advanced in, in investors, whether it's the right thing or not, for me, it's really allowed me to focus with every property when we're doing burrs, when we're running the numbers on purchase price, rental, what it's going to refi at based on the ARV and the cash flow. Like, And I know if I can hit whether it's $600, $800,000 per property, I need this many of those types of properties to be able to get to my number. It's really allowed us to decide which of those earlier rentals we ended up selling off now because they just didn't fit the mold of that. And each of the birds that we're buying now, everything that we're offering on, it needs to kind of fit into general criteria where the cash flow is going to be X amount when we're done with it so that it, it fits well into our portfolio. So I think I think we've kind of decided on that cash flow per month and it is cash flow. Like this is another important thing. Everybody calculates cash flow differently. I think it's important to include things like maintenance, vacancy, property management, especially that we are using property managers now. But even if you weren't, like eventually you are going to move into that way if you want to keep on growing and scaling. So that's the goal that's very important to me, to us, because it lets me be be really specific about like, here's my strategy and I'm not going to go out and buy an RTO or do a flip or do like an apartment building tomorrow because it doesn't fall into my specific guidelines that are going to allow me to retire in like a year, 18 months, two years. That's awesome. Switching gears a bit, you're investing in multiple markets. So when you're looking at these markets, how are you deciding which ones are the right ones for you? And how are you familiarizing yourself with them, determining if they have the types of buildings you want, building teams in those cities? How are you how are you approaching all of that? So when I when I first drove through St. Catharines with my agent two and a half years ago, I, I knew absolutely nothing about the city. I was literally just seeing really nice neighborhoods, like tree-lined streets. And so that's the first thing that I noticed. I had only known like the GTA in Mississauga where I grew up and then Hamilton where I had spent most of the recent years since I met, met my wife. So once I discovered this whole Niagara region and I got to know all of those neighborhoods, so mostly in St. Catharines, and in Welland, Niagara Falls, like the city isn't quite as good for the strategy that I'm using because they have a limit on the basement in terms of square footage of a legal second suite. So those two cities, I've just gotten to know where the good pockets are, which parts of the city you might want to stay away from. Like even though there are 
always opportunities in the transitioning areas and the gentrifying ones. It doesn't fit my strategy. I really like nice neighborhoods that attract like really good families, really solid tenants. And the properties are also nice, right? Like, so that's how I kind of decided on that. And when I look back from two years ago, the first time I drove through one of those streets to now, when I'm looking at specific properties, I know each of the streets. I know what a wartime bungalow should be selling for for to kind of meet my criteria. And I know the styles of the houses. Often I know what the layout's going to be inside without even seeing the inside, just based on where the entrance door is. If I see a side door or a back door, I kind of know how the basement's going to look often. So it's really allowed me to become an expert in those areas and truly cut down the time that it, that it takes me to kind of analyze and to say no or, or yes to, to any potential investment opportunity. Yeah, I really love what you touched upon there just in regards to knowing what you do and what you don't do. I think that's a big aspect in regards to analysis paralysis that a lot of investors come across because there's tons of opportunities, but really just dialing in on a couple markets, a couple strategies, things like that. So we spent a fair bit of time talking about real estate. I'm curious, is real estate just the primary lever for you on your fire journey? Is it the only lever? Do you have other investments or streams of income or will you be looking to grow those once you are able to leave the day job because of real estate or are you just going to double down on real estate? I think something that I've realized recently that I truly enjoy and that I have a passion for is is teaching others. Is So it kind of started as I became more active on social media. It, it kind of... Se- the, the type of info and my journey that I share and the way that I share it, it's really attracted a lot of newer investors reaching out, having conversations with me, asking for some coaching, whether it's a one hour call or whether it's something a little bit more. And now as I've hired a mentor and a coach for myself, and I see how he's kind of working with me where he's not telling me, do this, do this, or, or buy this property. And that's going to make all your, all your goals come true. He, he's kind of like helping me along, but I'm still the one, like all the accountability is on me. If I don't do my homework every week, or if I'm not pushing different parts of the business, I'm not going to reach my goal. So kind of seeing both sides of that, I've really realized that I, I could see like building that coaching side out of it a, a lot more. And it's definitely better than my income tax returns of like 30 bucks an hour where I'm truly like an hourly employee just executing return after return. Here, I, I'm I'm not just like earning an extra source of income where if rental property struggle or if I quit my day job and I don't have that stable every two week paycheck, I have this other source of income where maybe if I advertise more, I let more people know about it, I could grow that or I can always scale it back a bit more. But it it just gives me passion. Like when you see a younger investor taking action based on guidance or some help that you've provided them or a contractor or, or a specific property that you've sent over like that gives me so much joy. So I think just always, I'm always thinking about what other revenue streams I could add. That's the one that's kind of top of mind right now. Who knows in the future, I might get into flipping. I might, we've thought about getting our real estate license, either me or my wife, so that we kind of have some more insights into properties and like first dibs on, on, on some properties before they, so, so those are other ideas, but right now I really like the idea of sharing the wisdom that I've learned in my journey with others. 
Yeah, I think it's been kind of a natural progression for a lot of influencers, anyone sharing their journey. You end up having people reaching out that they resonate with your story or they resonate with where you're at and your investing journey at this time. I remember when I was first starting out, it was a lot of people who were just starting out as well. And I still get people like that. But now it's people who, hey, I've got a couple properties, a few properties, I'm really into burring, whatever. Those are the types of people that reach out. So all of us, we're going to have different people like reaching out to us based on if they resonate with, you know, our personality, our uh, investing strategy. I think that's super important to like reach out, talk to those people that you, you know, that have the things you want or have accomplished the things that you also want to accomplish. Yeah, hundred percent. I always encourage, um, especially newer investors, to to ask all the stupid questions. Like, don't be shy. The, that's the only way that you're gonna get past the roadblock that you're at, whether it's capital or financing, or or you're not sure about a strategy or a city, or you can't find a contract or whatever it is. Like, I asked so many questions when I kind of two years ago when I was really turning our portfolio around and getting serious about it and making sure that we were doing the right things so that we could continue growing and faster like i don't want to be buying a property every five or seven years forever that's just too slow right so i definitely reach out to the investors that you enjoy following on social media ask them questions pay them for their time like offer them other benefits in exchange because they are busy people but if you can if you can do that, if you can provide any type of value to them, they will help you. That's how I've I've kind of fast-tracked so much of my development. I've paid for, for, for Matt's time. I've been in masterminds before. I've paid for so many networking events. I'm sure there's so much more I could be doing, but I can only be spread so, so thin, right? So I want to focus on the things that are helping me at this point in my journey. And I think everybody, as we continue growing, we're just going to continue leveling up with different groups and different mentors that we should be reaching out to. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. And actually, you talking about masterminds, that just triggered a memory. I'm pretty sure you came to a mastermind that we held, right? Last year was like myself, Matt Pichet, and Rosehart, I think. So. Yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, that was the raising money one. And there was probably like eight or 10 people. And it was such a nice cozy room and, and yeah you have these huge names in the room like sharing wisdom i think i met austin yay for the first time at that one and, and like adam was there obviously dylan like all of these big names and to, to pay a, hun- a, a couple of hundred bucks for a full day being surrounded by these minds like every one of those events it is just one little stepping stone to getting to that next level right i also came to that poker tournament there there's so many people just in that one night just like 3 hours of playing poker with other investors that i met that to this day i still communicate with them we share strategies we talk about like their their markets and and what they're doing what's working what is it what, what they're struggling with right cuz we're all facing the same challenges or we face the same challenges so one one simple drive out to london for me made such a huge difference when i step back and i look at at what i've achieved in the last couple of years that's great. Well, if uh, if we're ready to go, I think we're going to jump on the fire four. So we ask the same four questions to all of our guests. And the first one is, what are you grateful for? I am grateful for just being surrounded by by like a great family at home and this amazing network of people that are always willing to share. There are so many cities that investors just like us are investing in and like so many of them are killing it all over using various strategies and the fact that I can learn just by logging online or or watching a live or or like like any of those resources I think that's helped me 
like move move forward in my journey so much faster than I would have if I was just trying to do it on my own. Question number two, what's a guilty pleasure or something that you can't live without that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being fire? <laughs> I'd say uh, video games. I enjoy playing video games, buying like uh, racing games and some other action games. I kind of blame my son for that. He's 11 now, so he's kind of in that phase. Yeah, I don't think that would essentially apply as like the most efficient use of your money, but <laughs> it helps me detach just from uh, from the hustling every day at the day job and at the real estate business. You need something like that. I think something that people often ignore during their during their journey when they're really focused on just growing is, hey, like you got to unwind. You got first off, you have to have a comfortable house. Like you got to go home, be able to relax. You know, and you got to be able to do some activities that you enjoy to unwind. I think that's super important. And like, as much as we might think of it as, you know, self-indulgence, we need some aspect of that in our lives. I mean, until though you check Steam and you see you've played Civ or uh, Civilization Six for 1800 hours and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I love it. All right. So is there a frugality tip or a life hack or anything like that that you'd like to share with the listeners? I would say... Like, this is more of a generic one, but don't compare yourself to others. Like, that's my life hack. I felt like I went through some like anxiety or some stressful times where we started building this thing in the last year or so. And I was really too focused on what other people were doing. And since I've kind of stepped back and, and, and really like realized in my head that like so many investors out there are just sharing like the good news and the wins. I'm sure they are struggling just like every one of us is, but they're not really always being transparent about that. So when the moment came that I was able to kind of calm myself down and to just let myself focus, put my head down and, and work on my portfolio, on my family, on my investing strategy and on my goals, that's when I really realized that, yeah, I can do this. I'll do it my own way and I'm still going to end up where I need to end up. So that it's, it's not a frugality tip, but it's my life hack that's allowed me to really put things in order for me as, as I kind of progress to that next stage. Question number four, what would the hero of your own movie do right now in your life? Ah, hero of my own movie. I'm not sure. He it's would, a tough question. Like, I, I try to rephrase it for people because I think it's a really difficult question. But like, if you were if you're watching a movie in your life right now, you're the main character. You know, you're sitting there watching. You're like, man, I really hope that this guy does this right now. Like, <laughs> you know, it seems like it seems like that's the right thing, but you know, he's a little scared to do it, or it just doesn't quite feel right. Like, you know, what's that thing that you kind of be rooting for your, you know, you as the main character to do? Okay, yeah, he would do exactly what Mom McKeever did. He would just quit his day job and just go all in on real estate because he he would kind of he he would take out a spreadsheet and he'd put various analysis in there and he'd have the worst case scenario and the best case scenario and smack in the middle would be the most likely scenario and the most likely scenario I'm sure today, if I left my day job, would be that I would never have to find a full-time nine-to-five job again. I, I am a very resourceful person and my hero would be in this movie and, and he would make it work, whether it's 
doing wholesale deals, whether it's doing flips with private money, like you would find enough good people. I already have a lot of good people in my network that if I just find the right deals or I find the right people to partner up with, this thing would work, right? I don't need that that constant paycheck every two weeks if I don't want it. I'm an accountant. I'm safe. I'm a bean counter. So in real life, I'm not sure if that's going to happen today, but that's what I'd be rooting for that superhero to do. That's awesome. And you know what? Like, first off, we're all, a lot of us are trying to milk our day jobs in order to get mortgages. So it makes sense for us to, you know, be strategic about that kind of thing. But at the same time, you know, it's really hard for us to finally make that decision and walk away from an income stream like that, especially when it's a big part of our self-identity. I know uh, when I was about to quit my job, I finally decided I'm going to quit my job. And then the, the, the company actually made the decision for me and I got laid off, which actually ended up being a really good scenario. But I didn't end up making the decision for myself. It's something that's really, I was really nervous about doing, about giving that notice. And I know, you know, even in Matt's story, like his plan wasn't to retire as early as he did, but I don't think he has any regrets on doing so. So, you know, when you feel like the time is right, I'm sure you'll be, I'm sure you'll be ready. But yeah, it's good to see that that's, uh, you know, that's like what the hero of your movie would do right now. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, definitely before leaving my day job, I can remember making those different lists of scenarios and i remember one of my worst case scenarios was hey you can pop a tent in your backyard and you can airbnb your apartment so i was really making sure the worst case scenario i never had to go back to the day job but again really thanks michael for coming on the show we really appreciate it before we wrap up here we always like to get our guests to ask the audience a question so do you have a question for our audience I, I think the question is, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from like re- rejigging your mindset to go from uh, working a full-time job or just buying like one one property, one asset to kind of pushing yourself a little bit more, making yourself uncomfortable and, and truly seeing what you can accomplish. Like if you're, if you're a good person and you have a reasonable amount of intelligence, you, you will be able to surround yourself with the right people. Like it, you don't have to do it all on yourself, right? There's a whole network. There's a huge community out here. You can reach out to any one of us. So if something is stopping you, ask the question, reach out to any of us three, but just do it. You're never going to see entirely around the corner like when you're driving at night and you can only see as far as the headlights, but know that there is there is good news on the other side if you just take that leap of faith. That would be my question. What is stopping you? I love that. I couldn't have said it better myself. So where's the best place for people to get in touch with you, follow you, uh, or yeah, just follow along in your journey? Um, I share most of my journey on Instagram. So it's at watch properties, W-A-C-H properties, or they could go on our website, which is watchproperties.ca. I also share a little bit on Facebook on on my private profile. So that's just Michael Watch, M-I-C-H-A-L-W-A-C-H. I always uh, enjoy interacting with any investors that have questions, whether they are looking to buy their first property or they own multiple properties, but they have tax questions or mortgage questions or, or any other like mindset questions, something that's stopping them. I, I truly enjoy talking about real estate any day of the week. Awesome. Well, really appreciate it, Michael. I'm looking forward to following along with you on your journey. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated. Thanks a lot, Michael. See ya. See ya. I love Michael's question, that idea of what is stopping you. 
I think far too often we're not giving ourselves permission to explore that idea or concept and often the path is a little bit easier than we make it out to be if we really just spend some time and think about it. So again, if you haven't already taken Michael's question to heart, I want to reiterate, what is stopping you? Michael made that really easy for us. It's not easy to balance real estate investing and family life with a full-time job. So hopefully for him, the job part drops away soon enough. While you're waiting for the next episode, make sure you jump over to Facebook and join the London on Fire community and follow us on Instagram at On Fire Podcast. And make sure to tune in to the next On Fire Podcast to meet more people, hear their stories, and learn from their mistakes. Know what would be awesome, guys, before we move on here? A five-star rating and written review. I don't even care what platform you do it on. Just leave us a rating and a review. And thanks for listening. This is Matt. And Kellen, signing off. And until next episode, remember, being normal, buying stuff doesn't make you happy. And always remember what Aristotle said. Those who know, do. Those that understand, teach.